Hello, and welcome to this first episode of 2022 of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice. Our guest in this episode is Jennifer Wasson. She's in her seventh year as the Director of Athletics at St. Mary Academy Bayview in Providence, Rhode Island. She has extensive experience in the sport industry. She was one of the most decorated basketball players in University of Mobile history, becoming the first 1,000-point scorer in school history with 1,303 points. She served at the college level for 23 years for the basketball programs at Faulkner State Community College, Western Kentucky, University of South Alabama, South Florida, Alabama-Birmingham, Georgetown, Penn, Troy and Providence College. I hope you enjoy the next few minutes with Jennifer Wasson. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership podcast, our first episode of the 2022 season. And I have a friend from way back, good friend from uh, that I went to college with that Mobile College. I still have a hard time saying University of Mobile, Jen, but uh, uh, Mobile College, uh, now University of Mobile. Jen Wasson, uh, direct from Providence, Rhode Island. Jen, welcome to the podcast and uh, really looking forward to, first of all, introducing you to our uh, audience, which spans all over the place, and also uh, just to give them a chance to learn from you. So welcome. Welcome, Tim, and uh, Happy New Year, and I'm glad I can ring it in with you and uh, hopefully give some uh, listeners some some great information and then tell them a little bit about my journey. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to obviously hearing some of your story. And obviously, you know, Jen was an exceptional player uh, at uh, University of Mobile, where we both graduated and, uh, are, you know, arguably one of the best, if not the best players to ever suit up for the Lady Rams. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it's so cool to be able to talk to you again. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Jen. So Tim, I, I uh, currently live in Providence, Rhode Island. I'm an athletic director um, at St. Mary Academy Bayview, which, you know, has kind of, uh, come full circle in my life. Um, you know, I, I started out as a fifth grader playing the sport of basketball and it was at a school in Pensacola, Florida. And, um, you know, it evolved into a, a great high school career and obviously a, a great college career. And, um, you know, I kind of pursued this, the sport and I always felt like giving back to the sport was an important thing and learning and growing in the sport was important. So I, I followed that dream and I, you know, got my master's degree from Western Kentucky and, and started kind of my coaching journey there. Um, and then obviously moved all over the country, uh, following and chasing opportunities and, um, you know, spent some time at the University of South Alabama, uh, the University of South Florida, uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, uh, Georgetown in DC, uh, Troy University, uh, University of Pennsylvania, and, uh, my last college stop was Providence College uh, before, you know, turning the chapter and then turning the page to a, a high school career. And uh, now I'm the director of athletics and oversee these sports. So it, it's been a, a long 22 year career. And now I'm seven years into uh, being a high school athletic director. Yeah, well, and to, to be and again, uh, Jen and I are two Gulf Coast 
uh, natives. Uh, she's from, uh, uh, you know, went to high school in Gulf Breeze, Florida. And then of course I'm from Robertsdale, Alabama. And it's amazing to think we were just talking before the podcast about the, the journey we both have been on. And, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? That you've been to all those different places. It is. It's, um, you know, it's helped me evolve as a person, um, being able to live and grow in different cultures and different communities. Um, I often joke that, you know, living in Birmingham was like being on the JV team before I went to Washington, D.C. Um, or to Philadelphia, um, because when you go from Birmingham, you think you're in a big city, but then you go to D.C. when you're really in a big city. So, um, you know, everything in my life I attribute to sports. Um, so I kind of have, you know, evolved from JV to varsity to uh, I think I had a little bit of a pro career dealing with the academic levels of UPenn. Um but it, it's, it's definitely a journey and it, it's fun. The people you meet along the way, um, the friendships you build. Um, and, and that to me is one of the most important things. Yeah. I, I actually have a former player of mine uh, at Williams college, Tim Folan, who is uh, an assistant athletic director uh, for development and alumni relations there at Penn. And uh you know, have another former student of mine who's at Harvard. So obviously there's there, that's, that's such an interesting level when you compare it to other division one levels, of course. And of course you were at Georgetown as well. Um, so, you know, when you look at your career and everything, obviously, you know, you, you've met a lot of people along the way and you talk about getting your start in the fifth grade and playing basketball. Did you play other sports as well? Um, I tried to be a little well-rounded. So basketball was my primary sport. Um, you know, my mom introduced me to golf, um, which she always said, you know, if you can play golf, then you'll get business deals done because that's where all the men go to make their deals. And so she gave me five golf lessons for my birthday and I played golf and I've played at golf since high school. So I actually played in one match at the university of mobile, um, and, and was on the golf team for about two weeks. So <laughs> that was the extent of my college career there. But um, I do play golf and, and it's definitely a, a life sport that I enjoy. Yeah, well, in all those, you brought up your mom and also uh, you've had a lot of people along the way that have uh, held a ladder, I'm sure. Who's held the ladder for you through the years? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, it's your parents. Um, you know, they're the ones that supported me through the, the years of, hey, I need a little extra gas money or, hey, I need to get here. Can you help me with rent or, you know, things of that nature. But then you get into the relationships you have with the head coaches and the assistant coaches. And, you know, I was very fortunate to um, become good friends with and and still today, um, Mary Taylor Cowles, who was the head coach at Western Kentucky, was a great player at Western Kentucky and now is a great high school coach in uh, Nashville, Tennessee at Ensworth. And, you know, she was always there for me. She was always there to lean on, uh, to run things by. But every job, you know, I really felt like the head coach was there supporting me, giving me opportunities and, and really saying, hey, you know, take advantage of this, learn grow, fail, you know, make mistakes because you're going to learn from those mistakes. And then the next job you get, you're not going to make the same ones. So I think that the coaches, uh, more importantly, as I got throughout, you know, my, my older career days, um, 
I really leaned on some of the senior women's administrators. You know, I had a great mentor when I came to Providence and Jill LaPointe. Uh, she was a tremendous role model and, and really helped me navigate some of the administrative waters um, because that was all new to me. So, you know, people in those roles giving back, you know, really held the ladder for me to get me to where I am today. Yeah. Tell us a little bit um, about your experience in working the University of Tennessee basketball camps. Ooh, well, I can tell you um, my first ever encounter with Pat Summit was um, I had just graduated high school. I was on my way to Mobile College for my first year in college. And the summer between, I got the opportunity to work her camp as a counselor. And I made the trek with Teresa Tanner. I don't know if you remember Teresa. Um, and I just kind of was a follower. I, I let Teresa kind of do everything. And I was nervous, you know, I was a little scared. I was intimidated. And I learned a very valuable lesson that year um, in that, I was late for my first ever meeting with Pat Summit. And I can promise you to this day, I have been 10 minutes early to every meeting, to every game, to every, I, I will not do anything where I think I might be late. So the valuable lesson in it though, for me, don't be late, but more importantly, take control of the situation that you're in. And make sure you know where you're going. Make sure you know what you're supposed to be doing. Don't leave it up to somebody else. Because if you do, you will probably fail. Yeah. Well, that, that's good advice. And obviously, to be to be late, I never heard this story. This is really fascinating. That you, know, you were late to a meeting with Coach Summit. <laughs> that must have been. You how, to put how, me on a bus and send me home. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's what an incredible story that is. Um, and I assume you probably shared that through the years with some people, uh, perhaps uh, even some of the athletes and coaches you have there. Players hear that story. It's uh, if you're five minutes, um, you're, you're early. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late, you're left. So. <laughs> that's so awesome. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. That's incredible. Well, she was an amazing uh, person to work for. I mean, you know, learn from, you know, I did, I worked for her for 10 years, 10 summers and, uh, you know, basically became part of the Tennessee family and, and work in her camps. Wow. What an incredible opportunity that was. Yeah. I just remember you talking about it in college yeah. and being involved in that. And obviously that that's something that, uh, you know, uh, you think about that uh, she's the greatest, uh, and for her to hold the ladder for you, even during that time to, to help you learn valuable lessons <laughs> like that one. <laughs> and, and share with you, you know, you, you talk, we, we talked earlier about networking and I, I look at networking a little differently. I, I, I look at it like re relationshiping, you know, um, Networking is kind of like the formal term of you meet somebody and then you put their business card in your file. And if you ever need anything, you go back to it. I think I've terminology into relationshiping because you want to have relationships with people. And I had a relationship with Pat Summit, but I also had relationships with the other people that worked there. And, you know, my first opportunity to coach and, and work in a program and get my master's 
came from meeting someone at Pat Summit's basketball camp. And that, you know, evolved into, I met them. I went and worked their camp. Then that head coach saw me work and, you know, he hired me and that led me to meet other people along the way. And every job opportunity I've had is because of someone I had a relationship with or met in that arena. Um, so it, it's very important. It's very important to network relationship with people and, and don't just call them when you need something. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and, you know, ultimately, when you think about it, you know, you and I have not seen each other for, as you said earlier, before we got started a couple of decades, perhaps, uh, probably right after I graduated college. And, you know, to have the relationship that and like this is still uh, yeah. from all those years ago. And here we are talking on the podcast. So yeah. um, now to jump to the next question, it, it kind of I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on obviously going from working at the level that you worked at all those years in Division One mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, ju- going to the high school level to be an athletic director. Uh, different challenges, obviously, but, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face in your job each day? Um, you know, again, it, it's, it depends. The, the 2020 to 2022 year um, has all revolved around, you know, COVID and how we've had to adjust and adapt and, you know, become flexible in, in our opportunity in our job. I mean, you know, I, th- I think challenges are just speed bumps and the challenge becomes, do you attack the speed bump or do you let the speed bump attack you? Right. Do you go slow over it and make sure that time, or do you just hit it and go? Um, you know, there's challenges in every job, uh, whether it's, you know, kids, whether it's officials, whether it's, you know, finances, whether it's, you know, limitations or resources. Um, I've always kind of prepared myself in life by, this is what you have, make the most of it, no matter what it is. You know, don't go complain because your budget's less than somebody else's budget or you make less than anybody else makes. You make a choice in life. You make a choice to work this job. You make a choice to coach these kids. You accept the responsibility. Don't complain about it. You know, you do it, you know, if it's raining and I'll just give you an example. I mean, I work at a high school. I have a very nice facility. I have curtains that drop down and cordon off when it rains or snows. I got six teams that are coming inside the practice. They all want to practice from three to six can't happen, but I have to adapt and I have to make them all happy somehow, some way. Well, it's not a challenge to me. You just do it. You know, everybody's got to play nice in the sandbox. So um, I think the other thing is just finding good people. You know, it's hard to get into any job and find someone that's in the job for the best interest of the school, for the best interest of the program. You know, we all take jobs because we want to better ourselves, but we also have to put the agenda of the institution first. You know, when I came to Bayview, I really believed in the mission statement. And I feel like I've really come full circle in my life because the school that I went to in, in, you know, first through seventh grade had the same mission and the same philosophies that I have now. And I see my role 
as not being that kid that gets dropped off and the nuns take care of, but I see myself as the role of helping these parents who are in really challenging times now. Um, you know, they might work two jobs to provide this opportunity for their kid, and I'm here to help them. So I don't look at challenges the way most people do. I just look at them like, how can I make these not so much challenges anymore um, and be more helpful and not complain and, you know, just really focus on the purpose. Why am I here? I'm here every day for the kids. And if I'm showing up and I'm not here for the kids, I don't need to be here. Yeah. Well, and you brought up something philosophically speaking, which I wanted to get your thoughts on. Um, there are people in this industry that basically job jump, right? You know, go from job to job to job. And many of them are looking for that, that, that perfect uh, fit. I mean, yep. do you think that uh, mission of a school, uh, you know, it matters to you, obviously, but do you think that today's coach or today's athletic professional, that mission matters still? Or is it something that's just like something that we are big on? I think generationally, I think that's kind of gone a little bit. Um, I think, you know, when you look at it in sports or you look at it in the real world, let's call it, um, I think everyone graduating from college, everyone, you know, getting a diploma wants their first job to be that six figure job and they don't have to do very much work. Um, but what you learn as you evolve and, and to become better at what you do and, and better in your profession and better, especially in the sports world is you have to start at the bottom and learn the trade all the way through to the top. Um, you know, I always joke about this with my kids is, you know, go volunteer in a position that you think you want because you're going to learn real quick. It's not what you think it is, but if it is, then you've gotten the inside look at it and those people have respect for you. And it goes to relationship building that when there is a job opportunity, they're going to call you first, right? If you're, I volunteered, and I don't know if you remember Amy Champion. Oh yeah. Faulkner State Community College. My fifth year, I volunteered as an assistant coach for her. And I drove 30 miles one way. I volunteered my time when I wasn't in class. And, you know, I got the firsthand look at what college coaching was going to be like. You know, I remember riding the buses. I remember eating McDonald's. I remember staying up late. You know, I remembered all of that and it prepared me. When I was at South Florida in a restricted earnings position, the first full time job I got was because Amy Champion knew who I was and what my work ethic was like because I volunteered for. Her. So, you know, that transitioned me into a full time coaching position. I didn't finish playing college basketball, go get my master's degree, go to a sweet 16, and then get a six figure paying job. You know, I started at the bottom. I squeegeed the floors, I dust mopped the floors, I carried the dirty laundry. You know, but I learned all of that from Amy, from, you know, baseball. I was the manager for the baseball team when I was in college and I washed those dirty laundry, you know, pants. I scrubbed all that clay out of them. So I learned how to do every job 
that I could possibly learn how to do so that when I got the job, I was prepared. And, and that kind of leads to the next question, and it's regarding skills. You know, um, you've been around the block. You've worked all over the country uh, now at the high school level as well as, at the, you know, major college level and everything else. But what skills do you consider to be essential for success as a sports professional in, in any segment of sports? It could be coaching, administration, marketing, you name it. I think the first skill, and, and I want you to make sure you understand the difference between, I think you got to be a good listener, but you also got to be a good hearer. You got to mm. hear what people say. You know, I think we all say, oh, well, we listen, but did you hear what they said? And I think we have to, in a world of instant gratification that we're in right now with social media, you flip on Twitter or you flip on Facebook and you see results immediately. I think you have to have patience. You have to be able to take a step back, um, remove yourself from the situation. Don't respond right away, no matter how frustrating or how mad you get, um, whatever it might be. And I think you learn a little technique and I call it the sandwich. You know, you got to praise them, but you also got to discipline them. But then you finish it up with some praise and knowing your people and how they function and how you get the most out of them is one of the greatest skills you can have in any job. Um, you, you need to know what motivates people and, and what gets them to work hard. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you on that. And every person learns differently. Every person has a way uh, and, and every person um has different personalities too, you know, and being able, I know in the years that I've been doing this, uh, this journey, just like you, you know, I've been able to learn how to utilize like the Myers-Briggs and other things to try to get to know people's personalities first. So I know how to motivate them, you know, and, um, you know, when you work with the people that you work with there, Bayview, do you, I mean, you obviously probably have, I mean, how many coaches do you have under you? So we currently have uh, 18 sports. Um, wow. So indoor track and field and outdoor track and field are obviously coached by the same people. Um, but, you know, whether it be a head coach, assistant coach, um, you know, my role for many of these coaches, because this is not their full-time job, is support. You know, it's being able to help them navigate the water because they're having to learn the personalities of all these kids. Um, and their parents. So, you know, you don't just coach kids in high school, you coach parents. So I look at myself as I coach the coaches, right? Um, so I'm not their boss, I'm, I'm their coach. And I've looked at my entire career, Tim, I've always been an assistant coach. So whether it's, you know, being the assistant coach for a basketball program, or in my role as an athletic director, I'm an assistant coach for the president of the school or the principal or the assistant principal, you know, it's my job to provide them with all the information they need so they can make the best decision. So as a, as an, a coach for the coaches, it's my job to help guide them when they're navigating the waters of kids that are hurt or kids that are sick or kids, parents that are upset or, you know, playing time or the schedule or busing or anything like that that you know revolves around being a high school coach yeah and and that 
And I, I think I'm thank you for sharing that because one of the things about uh, as we've all gotten older, right? You know, we're not 21, 22 years old anymore. We're, you know, uh, much older. And um, to be uh, in a position where we are actually looked to as the leaders of young women, uh, young men, uh, whatever level we're working at. Uh, I know that for me, it's been really uh, a blessing. You know, I, I, it's really strange. Um, all those years of coaching, um, and now I'm sure you feel the same way. You have young, you have players that you coached all those years ago that are in their, they're in their 40s, mid 40s now, or uh, getting there, like in their early 40s. And do you have any players like that? I know I do. I do. I do. I have, um, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have several of, of these young women um, on Facebook and, and social media, and I get to follow them and, you know, they're becoming mothers and, and they're becoming coaches. Um, you know, Vanessa is a coach down in Georgia and, you know, she'll message me every now and again and go, man, I sure appreciate all those lessons you taught me or Michelle Smith from UAB and, you know, I, I just, I, I, it makes me feel good about the job I did because it's not going to be immediate with young people. It will be down the road when you're not part of their lives, they're going to realize the impact you had. And, you know, to look at a 22 year career in college athletics and, and walk away knowing you've touched the lives of so many young women um, and they're successful and they're having families and, and doing such great things in the world, you know, that's the success story for me. It, it's not a trophy. It's not a, an award. It's, it's watching these young women who you've impacted their life. And I think that's, if you focus on those things, you will be successful no matter what you do. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I, I know that every one of us, got into the industry probably uh, with the intention of, you know, uh, becoming a head coach or becoming, uh, you know, becoming a big time person in the industry um, for the glitz and the glamour that we thought it was. Of course, um, that's not completely the case uh, for most. And, you know, I, I've always found that the, the wins are when you get a text from a former player uh, telling you about, you know, Hey, you know, we're expecting coach and uh, Hey coach, I got a new job or Hey coach. My dad has cancer. Uh, you know, I have cancer. Like, you know, there, I've heard several different things and being able and that they feel like that kind of connection and that trust that they would be willing to share that. I think that that's, um, that's something that I never thought that it would come to that. Did you think it would come to that back in the early nineties when you were at Mobile? Down I the road? don't think it would ever come to that, but I, I do think, you know, it, as my career um, evolved, you know, and, and as you go from, you know, the, the South Alabamas to the South Floridas and, you know, the UABs and you, you watch the success you know, we had a successful program at UAB. We, we went to the Sweet 16, but what mattered the most were, were how much those kids appreciated the discipline you established in their life, you know, and, and they, they reach out to you and they tell you how much 
and I, you know, two of those kids off that team became high school coaches and they got it. Like they got it. And, and I'm like, you know, that to me is worth any NCAA trophy, any, you know, coach of the year award, because those kids finally realized the discipline that you had instilled in them, you know, from those 6am workouts or from, you know, making them do it again because they didn't do it right the first time. So those are the wins in my life. Yeah, mine too. And I think I'm learning it now as I get older, uh, a lot more. And I think that's, uh, uh, Hey, hold up a second. I thought we only graduated a couple of years ago, but, uh, (laughs) it's a lot longer than that. People say a couple of years, I say a couple of decades. <laughs> well, we talked a little bit about networking earlier, but, you know, um, I, I know that it, for you to have climbed to the place where you got and uh, you, you told a great story about Amy Champion and how she provided you with the opportunity to, you know, get that uh, that position there at USF. And, um, you know, I, I know that, when I look back on my own experience, uh, um, you know, I agree that uh, the word you the word you use relationship relationshiping, right? Is that what it was? Relationshiping. I love that. That's great. And you know, I do believe that the industry that we go into, and anyone that's listening here that's wanting to get in this industry, uh, I don't care what part of this industry, it, it is about the people that you get to know, and it's not about just uh getting their business card it's about truly getting to know them as human beings Mm -hmm. and um you know i i I say you know it probably has been a little bit of a you've been at baby for seven years or this is your seventh year and um you know what's it been like to go from being the coach that had that i mean how do you connect with your student athletes Mm -hmm. as an athletic director Well, I think first and foremost, you support them, Um, you know, and one thing I did start while I was here was I I started social media accounts for our sports programs. And, you know, I would go to the away games and just as much as I was at a home game, I'd be at an away game and, you know, seeing them appreciate me being there to support them you know, it's not about winning and losing for me. It's about knowing they have somebody that if they need something, you know, I'm here to help them. And, you know, part of our mission statement is to, you know, develop confident women who, you know, have a believe in their faith and they live it every day. And, you know, to me, instilling that confidence is, you know, being here every single day for them, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because our school is pre-K all the way through 12th grade. And I didn't realize this, but, you know, I, I work a lot of hours and uh, some of the middle school kids said something one day to a, another teacher or somebody saying, does Miss Wasson live here? <laughs> they would show up at school and I was here and they would go home and I was here and they couldn't figure that out but it's you know I'm here for them um you know part of my story you know my my parents were divorced and my mom was a single parent raising two kids and putting us through a private education um and she worked very hard she was in the banking profession 
And I think most of us know, maybe listening on the podcast would be, you know, the banking profession in the late 70s and early 80s was a tough place for women. And, um, you know, she would get ridiculed a lot. Um, So the nuns were always there to, when she dropped us off early, so she could get to work on time. And, you know, kind of coming full circle in life and being at a school where parents are trying really hard to provide an opportunity for their kids. You know, I kind of see myself now in a role where my job isn't just to be the athletic director. You know, I'm here to provide an opportunity for kids to play sports, but I'm here to make these parents' lives a little easier. You know, they have the comfort of knowing, you know, their kids in our sports program, they're safe. You know, they're getting a great opportunity, a great experience, and they're going to walk away with a great education on top of it. And so when you sit back and you, you look at where you are in life, it's not about a job. It's about what are you giving to the people that are part of that job? Um, and, and I really believe, you know, if you're doing it for the right reasons, you don't work a day in your life. You know, this is, this is so much fun to me, no matter how hard it is. It, it's fun to see a kid score a goal or to, to watch a kid walk down, you know, and pick up a championship uh, award that never in a million years she thinks she would win. Um, you know, those are successes in my world now. Yeah. And I would even say your mom, Betty, and, you know, I'm sure she felt the same way when she saw you and Beth playing so well at Mobile. I'm yeah, sure. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's, she's, she's since passed on and she's looking down on us every day. And, and, you know, I, I hope that I'm living, you know, the truth that she put in me to, to do what she did for me for others. Yeah. I don't doubt that for a second. <laughs> I absolutely don't. Um, what's one piece of advice that you give to someone that's wanting to start a career in sport? You know, we both started all those years ago. What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone starting? I think first and foremost, be patient with it. Um, don't be afraid to fail. Um, I think we grow the most once we've failed in life, where we failed at something, um, because that teaches us the most valuable lessons. Um, I think give it your all, you know, don't, don't put one foot in and, and have one foot somewhere else. Um, I think in our social media world that we're living in, and I, and I heard this on a, a prayer that we did, a uh, prayer service thing we did the other day via Zoom, um, a woman said, you know, my parents used to always say, put your head where your feet are. And I think in the social media world we live in, sometimes our feet are in the gym, but our head is in, you know, and I'll just use North Smithfield, Rhode Island, where my friends are, because we can see what our friends are doing. And we sometimes wish we were there with them, but our feet are somewhere else. Um, I think sometimes young coaches, young administrators, they can see that they're living in maybe a D2 world or a D3 world, but their head is somewhere in the D1 world saying, I could be there. And I'll go back to the old adage, the grass is not always greener on the other side. So water your grass and it will be as green as you want it to be. Um, And I think that's probably the best advice I can give you is 
put your head where your feet are, be engaged with the people that are with you, enjoy the moment that you're in, not a, a moment that somebody else is in. Wow, that's awesome. And I, I you know, it is truly, uh, there's so many times people think about like what you were just saying, you know, having a division one mindset, but being having your feet in division three, you know, ultimately, we do have to make the big time where we are. Right. And, and I really love that uh, analogy of uh, making your grass greener, because I, I think that that um, of course are there's, I don't know where the grass is here in West Fargo today. It's under all the snow, but, uh, but uh, I'm sure it'll be quite green when the snow melts and um, uh, but go skiing. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, the last question that um I always ask is, uh, how do you hold the ladder for others? I mean, you, you know, you've talked about doing that throughout most of the podcast, but I mean, how do you hold it for others? I think in the situation I'm in now, more importantly, uh, you know, I hold the ladder for these young women because first and foremost, I provide them with opportunity. Um, I, I hear their voices. Um, I support them in their endeavors. Um, you know, if they come to me with an idea, I try to support that idea because again, it goes towards, you know, the mission statement we have. And, you know, I have the privilege of working at an all girls school and not to get down a, a totally different path here, but I sat on a bus one day going to um, a, a thing called Tyco, which is a, a STEM program. And we picked up a, a couple of young women from another school and, and I just listened to the conversation. And one of the most compelling things for me out of that conversation was the young lady said, oh, I just love Thursdays because it's the only day of the week my voice is heard. Mm. And she goes to a, a, a dual gender school, boys and girls. And, and I just thought like, wow, like how powerful is that? that I have the opportunity to be in an all girls school where every young woman here feels confident that their voice is heard. Um, so I think, you know, holding the ladder for them, making sure their voices are heard, making sure that when they come to me with ideas, supporting those ideas, helping them think through those ideas, you know, giving them an opportunity to really firm up their foundation that their parents are put, you know, put them on and, and sending them off to the next stage in life. And that's college. Wow. Well, and it's such a responsibility, yeah. you know, and I, and I, thanks for sharing that story. And I believe that uh, every one of us want to be heard. Every one of us want to have the opportunity to, uh, share our gifts that God's given us, you yeah. know, and I think that's something that is, uh, I believe that's one of the major things when I look back on my time. Um, that's one thing that I think I, I hope that I've done. It sounds, it certainly sounds like you have and continue to do it. And, you know, and obviously I appreciate that uh, from afar, of course, but being able to uh, see a, a friend that a good friend from college doing so well is, is really cool. And um, so, uh, Jen, uh, how would you like to close the podcast tonight? 
Um, I think just by saying, you know, live your best life, be you, you know, figure out who you are and, um, you know, don't let anything, you know, define who you are other than you will let yourself do it. Um, you know, I've lived a, a tremendous life. I have defined who I am. Um, and I don't really let anybody else put their expectations on me. Um, I live up to my own expectations, um, which, you know, they, the old saying, um, if you uh, look to be a perfectionist somewhere along the way, you'll find, you know, something good in it and you might be great at it. You might not be perfect, but you might be great at it. Um, yeah. So I just work hard every day and, and try to be great at something. So. Yeah, I love that. That's great advice. And um, I know for this new year, one of the big things I'm trying to do uh, as I start year 52 um, is to, to just have a win every day, yeah. you know, every single day have a win and uh, it doesn't have to be a huge one, uh, but have a, a win. So yeah, I think well, it's uh, the good old Catherine McCauley, you know, be better, <laughs> be better today, but be your best tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and uh, Jen, I appreciate you. It's been so long since we talked. It's great to have you as a guest and uh, I wish you continued success there at Bayview and uh, appreciate you being willing to be a guest on the podcast. Anytime, anytime. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Holding a Ladder in Sport and Leadership. We look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Have a great week. Thanks for listening, and until our next episode, I challenge you to hold a ladder for someone to climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible.